We apologise for the sound quality on this first episode because it isn't up to our normal standard. We promise this only happens on this episode. Hello there. My name is Matthew Fort and this is my daughter Lois. And my name is Lois Fort and this is my dad, Matthew. And we are at the beginning of Series 2 of Thoughts on Food. Series 2, Di? Who would have thought it? I know, it's so exciting. Why are we doing Series 2? Because we had so much fun the first time round. Actually, it was. You know, I I haven't enjoyed recording anything so much for years. It was so nice to have just a sort of let the mind ramble over this topic and that topic and everything else. Well, I've never recorded anything in my life, so was, this is my my first and only experience, but it's going well. Well, all I tell you is I thought you were brilliant. Thanks, Dad. And, oh, hang on a second, you're supposed to say... Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're just a, you're a hardened professional, so you're obviously blown, you're you blown it, you blown it. <laughs> I've blown it, that's fine. No, we're back because we had such a good time. And I think on the whole, well, the people we spoke to seem to enjoy it. And I was thinking actually a lot after we finished the last series and actually after it came out was irrespective of what this ever becomes, because I don't think we've got wild ambitions for it other than the fact that we enjoy it, is that we'll always have these recordings together. They are. Which is amazing. They will be an archive, darling. They will. They'll be oral evidence. The other thing I thought of at the end of the last one was actually, you know, it's just, it's like a sort of box of delights. You open it up and there are just so many more themes and things we could talk about and dishes and experiences we've had. Exactly. It's a, it's a marvellous thing. So what have you been up to since we last? I know. It's been a few months. Well, we've had we've had the hottest summer on record or some such thing. We know we, you, England yes. likes a record. A few what a scorcher. <laughs> a few what a scorcher. So that was a lot of barbecues in our house. As far as ah, food well, is concerned. Well, that reminds me of something. Do you remember yes. when you and Peter came came down and you barbecued? Actually, it was Peter. No, Peter barbecued, did it. Yeah. That that shoulder of lamb with harissa, and I that thought was, that was yeah. one of the best things I, I actually tasted all summer long. That was really good, actually. Did he put the harissa on before he put it on the barbecue? Uh, yes, yeah. it was smeared with harissa, mm. and then or was it at the end? I've forgotten now. We have to ask him anyway. Yeah, your your young man, darling, is an absolute, as far as I'm concerned, is a treasure. Well, he's become what us South Africans would say. He's become a bloody good bry master. <laughs> bry master. Bry master. We got we we we, uh, we did a big uh, bry for a lot of friends uh, in August for his birthday, and uh, you know we were we were doing homemade ribs, and I mean we, it was got, it got quite exciting. So we, we we're into it. Although I have to say, sacrilege for the South African part of me, we are using gas. Which Gas I know. That. You see, I insisted that he use wood when he, did, when he, yes. when he did the, with the shoulder. Yeah, and that and that was a real test of his skill and uh, and his ability to adjust on, on in the moment. But it wasn't the only thing that no. we we cooked together. I know what you're you going remember? to say. Well, I'm gonna. Can I yeah. start the story? Yeah, you. Start so we came to stay with you for a weekend, and uh, you started telling me about this rather um, one of those kind of hilarious purchases you make where. What arrives at your house isn't quite what you thought you'd ordered, yeah. and you ordered. I think you were, was it supposed to be one kilo or two? <laughs> it was one kilo. It was supposed to be one kilo of very specific. This is typical you. Very specific salt from a very specific area in Italy. Blah 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 blah. It was from Sicily. From Trapani. Sicily. Sorry. Uh, so Dad orders a kilo of this salt from Sicily, which I assume seemed price appropriate for a kilo, and then knock on the door. Postman arrives. <laughs> 
<laughs> with a 10 kilo Do you know how much 10 salt? kilos of the salt looks like? It's, it's a hell of a lot of salt. It was like it was like one of those huge bags of salt they use for uh, gritting yeah, outside well, your house for right. snow. Come on, the, come on, the, come on, the, the oh, hard dear. winter, and I will becoming very, very useful out on the front step. I can tell you. So, so Dad and I were busy talking about this and having a giggle over a cup of tea on a Saturday morning, and Peter was coming down the stairs, and he came in and said, "What's going on? What are you laughing about?" And we explained. And as we do often staying at dad's, it's usually, I suppose, 40, 50% of the time is spent talking about either what we're going to eat or cook. And Peter said, well, why? Oh, you can do one of those, you know, salt baked fish, which neither dad or I had ever done. And so we promptly took ourselves off to the local fishmonger and we bought a, was it a sea bass? Sea bass. It was a really beautiful fish. Mm, Wild sea bass. A lovely whole sea bass. Big three pounder. Big three pounder googled away at the process, which is whipping up egg whites, which you mix with the salt in order to make it sort of malleable and so it can form a a, yeah. a shape. And then um, did we? Oh no, we stuffed it with some of your own fennel fronds from the garden. That's right. Yes. And then salted it, whacked it. In no, the you oven. didn't salt it because it's covered in salt. No, well that's I mean, what I mean. Salted it yeah. with the salt. As well. Covered yeah, it yeah. with the salt mixture yeah. with the with the egg white. Boshed it in the oven for about 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, but you missed out on that there is a really good tip here, because if you're ever going to do this recipe, which is incredibly simple, actually, is that you, you get a fish that has scales and you leave ah, the scales yes. on because as you cook it, the scales fuse together. And so when you peel off the, the crust of salt, first of all, it stops the salt getting into, into the flesh too much. But then mm. you can just lift it off in one bit. And inside is this perfectly cooked piece of fish, which is steamed in its own juices, essentially. Yeah, it is. It's it's that sort of steamed or kind of poached effect. Yeah. It's really, it's sort of like perfectly evenly cooked. It was it was perfectly um, seasoned. And that's a good, actually, that's a good point about the scaling, because um, for anyone listening who wants to try it, if you go to your fishmonger, you just you really need to just buy a, a, a gutted fish that is otherwise untouched. Should we? Should we? Because we, we've always talked about doing a special podcast devoted only to fish, so maybe we can mm. well, we can go into that in a bit more detail if we if, if we do that. Because I think Agreed. there's a there's a huge amount of information and indeed misinformation about about fish and cooking it and i think yeah. you know we could really do get a, a strong podcast gosh it sounds really serious but actually i was <laughs> that was not that was the one that i wasn't I, I do remember that that was jolly nice oh but no i remember that when we when we cooked together and you we made that uh fish stew oh yes that's with my lobster bisque honestly for, honestly anybody listening to this this was one of the great epic dishes of the last 25 years bloody hell I'll well it was that. actually because you made that fantastic beast base do you remember yes yeah uh, I do. which was so rich and full and it had shellfish and it had fish stock and it had tomato and it had got... my, it had my own homemade fish stock in it and your own homemade fish stock and it was and and in that i then and i think we had a little bit of cream too wasn't there yeah a small amount of cream and then all I had to do was drop in the you know, the fish to poach and the, add some mussels and some prawns. And, and I had all my brothers and my sister who come over from America and and my sisters-in-law and you and Peter and Stevie and Jane and Kiki. And 
Honestly, I remember sitting at the end of the table thinking, I have rarely been happier than this wall of sound, the mm. sound of you know, sounds of laughter and this clink of, of, of spoons into the dish and the slurping of wine and the sea of glasses. <laughs> oh, it was, it was the, the epitome of what I think eating at home should be. Really, I really agree. Wonderful. And it is such a lovely big lunch, and and the great thing I've done it quite I, I I've done it quite frequently since for big groups because it's a bit of a showstopper when you put it on the table. You know, tons mm. of seafood, rich bisque, etc., etc., etc. Secret, it's bloody easy. It's really not difficult. So you can put in, you can prep it all before. You can make it the night before, which is key. In fact, it tastes better the next day, as most things do when they're kind of liquid stew based. Um, and the fish cooks in, you know, three, four minutes. And I have to say that the key was, and it was the first time I'd done it this way, it was it yours, I think it was potentially your idea, is to put big slices or chunks of fennel in there. Yeah. Roasted right. fennel. That... Yes, which is interesting because it slightly lightens the otherwise very, very mm. rich thing because you forget how rich shellfish and fish actually are to eat. Mm. And yeah. the other thing is to let people help themselves so they, so they don't Definitely. feel you know, intimidated by... Too much, too big helpings, and some nice, nice, nice crusty bread on the side. Nice crusty bread, and a, a, a great deal of really crisp white wine. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and we had, and, and we had a delicious green salad on the side as well, which I think was a lovely really accompaniment. Now, what was the so? What was the last thing you've cooked? Oh, last night, actually, I say this on off the hoof. Actually, um, I made a bolognese sauce. Oh yes. Um, I. Well, what does proper mean when it comes to a bolognese? So I'm. Well, it's a very I'm good sure question. It, I'm sure it wasn't proper, but it tasted like a bolognese. Um, I I bought what we had in the local shop. So they had they had 400 grams of beef mince and they had 400 grams of pork mince. So I mixed them. Mm-hmm. I started with mm-hmm. onion, celery, carrots, garlic. I put a courgette in there. Um, I. Uh. I not had uh, no, that's I've gone off piste already. I'm about to do it again. One one can of plum tomatoes didn't have chops, so bugger it. Plum tomatoes. No, that's okay. That's and fine. And then I I had half a bottle of basil and tomato sauce. Chuck that in. Uh, then did some some other bits of tomatoes. Some uh, tomato puree. I did two beef stock cubes. I did some, I put in some sage leaves because I had them. I put some thyme in. I put a bit of dried oregano. I put some garlic granules in. What were you doing cleaning out the, cleaning out the lard? Why not? I'm about to move house, so it's quite useful. A bit of chilli uh, chili flakes. And then, and then these are the three that are probably going to make you balk, but I don't care, that I add for depth of, no, four things that I add for depth of flavour. One is this amazing, very fine porcini mushroom powder that I have. Yeah. Two is a little bit of soy sauce. Three is you've got to have a bit of Lee and Perrins in your bolognese. And then the the fourth one, the fourth one, which is really, really good for depth of flavour and umami, is a few drops, or if I'm honest, a couple of glugs, of fish sauce. Fish sauce? Well, this is Bolognese Asian style. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't taste any of that stuff, but it just no. adds a richness of flavour. And then mushrooms, peas, I don't know, whacked in whatever I had around. And then, well, no, uh, no, 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 you know, you, you've, you've departed a long, long way from the classic. But 
it tasted exactly like a bloody good bolognese. So I, I don't, I don't really care how I got there. The destination was the same place. Well, it's not. You look extremely well on it today, darling. Oh, and there was some chorizo. I started off with chorizo because I had some in the fridge I needed to use. Well, it clearly was using up all the leftovers. All I can say is, but anyway, and why not leftovers? There's another really interesting subject. Um, well, should I tell you what I? What about last, you? The last mm. thing I cooked. Was what did I do last weekend? Uh, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was a um, it was a quince tart. Mm, yum. Quince tart, quinces from my very own tree. And were they nice and sweet? No, no, they're really tart. I think really quinces are very interesting fruit because they're one of the few, very few fruits which you cannot eat raw. They're, I mean, it's like honestly, I did not know that. No, it, they are. First of all, they're incredibly dense and tough. They're very, very dry. Um, and they're and they're not at all pleasant to eat. They sort of dry out your mouth too. Not not to be recommended. So they have to be cooked. But you know, my quinces I make into uh, quince ratafia, which mm, is uh, which is basically quince, quinces and grated quince and rum and sugar, um, and left to steep for three or four months. Uh, quince jelly, which is really sharp and tart. I made some quince cheese. I was just about, that was what I was about to ask, is how do you make quince cheese? Oh, well, actually, it's a labour of love, because you, you cook the quinces, and then you basically just, you peel them and cook them, and then you add a bit of sugar, and then you cook them down and down and down and down and down. And the thing is, they keep on exploding like little, <laughs> like little um, volcanoes, splattering all your cooking services with gobbets of, of quince, but eventually it sets, and and it's a very fine moment. You have to judge very very carefully because if you go too too far, it becomes like rubber matting, and if it doesn't go far mm. enough, then it doesn't set. So, uh, but mine is a masterpiece. Uh, this year, Excellent. last year was a complete complete catastrophe. Um, but also, <laughs> I made it into quince tart, and it's a it's a lovely. I, I cook it with I again I grate the quince and I cook it with some sugar, cook it right down, and then. Put it into a pre-cooked a pastry shell, and dribble honey in, mm. uh, and grated lemon peel mixed in, and let honey over it, and then scattered with um, almonds, which I've just toasted, uh, sliced sliced mm. almonds, which I've just Lovely. toasted, and with a good deal of finest unpasteurized double cream. cream. Mm. It would be custard for me. It would be custard for me, but I'm all right. Uh, so it was. It was a. It was a pudding fit for the gods. Um, interesting. Quick, hang on quickly before you move off. That was it. Short crust. Uh, pastry. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Very, 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 very plain because there's so much going on in the pastry. You don't really want anything too fancy in the pastry. Yeah. Because the the the, the quince is is so strongly flavoured and delicious. Yeah. Okay. Incidentally, you would make we're not know these, but but it is thought that quinces were the original apples of the Hesperides. Oh. But we'll pass on for that. We'll, we'll move on for that, as I discovered when I was looking them up the well, other there day. There you go. I did not know that. You're right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's right. So, uh, have, you eat, have you eaten out anywhere? Well, I think we could talk about where you and I ate. Uh, actually, Peter ended up coming along. We had a rather exciting yeah. experience at somewhere called Kebab Queen. Yeah. Not a promising name, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Um, you f- you phoned me but, up one day and you said uh, you said oh I've got, got to go to this thing because you know you know the chefs they have started this so they they run basically a chain of restaurants called Le Bab which are dotted around London 
um, that serve amazing food. So I would recommend going there. They've started this. Um, it's I suppose it's a take on the chef's table, but it's more of an experience really called uh, Kebab Queen, which is in the in the lower ground level underneath their um, Covent Garden restaurant. Yes, Covent Garden is almost impossible to find. You have to go through the through the restaurant, down the stairs. Well, you the... don't you don't find it. You get taken there by somebody because you aren't going to find it by no. yourself. It's <laughs> no, it's in the lower. Like well, it's the point is it's in the lower ground floor. If you remember when they were explaining to us, which used to be a car park. Oh God, yes. Used that's to be right. an underground car park, and the remnants of which, are, you know, all of those pillars that you find in underground car parks, but also still, they've still got the big roller, you know, roller shutter yes. doors, um, and you do feel a bit like you're going into kind of like the doldrums of a uni bar. You know, it's kind of. I, fit- I don't know what it reminded me of. Do you remember that that, that trip we made to Punch Drunk Theatre? Yes, yes, <laughs> it was a bit like that. You know, you sort of, you, you've, it did feel quite immersive from the get go. Yeah, it did. And it was just, just this little bar, wasn't it? But when you actually find Well, you go it. first. Do you remember? You kind of go downstairs and there's just a graffiti everywhere. And then yeah. they open the door and you do genuinely walk into the kitchen full of bab yeah. upstairs. Uh, but you take, you take a sharp right and then you go through another door and suddenly you're in a completely different world of dim lighting and soft, plush, dusty pink velvet curtains and music and interesting lighting and there's a a, a long white slightly cut get to the food darling because otherwise we're, we're no we're... i'm setting it up because it's important and there's oh, a bar a long a long white bar that you sit at on bar stools there's 10 seats only that's it fixed covers no changing that and you're looking at a small kitchen the only thing that we knew was that well, we knew there was going to be elements of kebab, Not didn't know quite how the creative licence was going to work around that, but that there was going to be no cutlery. Uh, no cutlery and no plates. And no plates. So just basically no apparatus at all. And when you first sit down, I remember the three of us, we sat down and, you know, as you do when you sit down at a table, especially when you're up at a bar, you sort of prop your ha- you prop your arms down on the bar in front of you, which we all did and promptly went, oh my God, it's warm. And so this white bar was, was heated so that start, started making us think. Um, anyway, so I think it was a t- 10 course, something like that. There's 10 eight courses. And basically they have, they've, they've taken real creative license around kebabs. Kebabs from all around the world. And effectively, I would say in, in chef speak, it would be de- deconstructing them and serving them. Every single um, dish is served straight live in front of you by one chef who goes along the line of 10 guests onto your portion of the counter in front of you beautifully and they'll describe to you what it is as they put it down you eat it with your fingers and then afterwards they come around again they sort of start at the beginning of the chain and go around and they come and they clean your little section with a mixture of vodka and some flavoring lemon or something yeah, to lemon. to disinfect and then they come around again I mean, it was just it was amazing and also you get you get those little those little warm little towels to, to wipe your fingers oh yes on. yes so everything is eaten in your fingers and, and and honestly i think the range of flavors the range of mm. techniques the range of textures it was i thought it was the most exciting food i've eaten in london for a very, very long time for 30, so 30 years. I, I thought it, it was, was an ex- extraordinary brilliant. experience. And we did the we did the booze pairing, if you remember, and it was really yeah. unusual. I think out of seven or eight courses, there was only about two wines. There was sake, mm. there was beer, 
there was Ooh. something else. Um, anyway, I'd highly recommend it. And you know what? Having looked at it, because I really want to go again, it's not impossible to get into. If you book kind of four, six weeks in advance, you get in. Um, it's it's so worth it. It's an amazing can I, experience. Well, can, I, can I extend a, an invitation to you? Because I, I actually, I booked two, two seats at a special dinner. Hang on a second before you, before you say yes, which is devoted entirely to offal. Oh God! <laughs> no, I, 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 it's not like me to turn something down, but I think you can find a guest who will run into this with far more excitement than me than I would. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's fine. It would be waste. I'm afraid it would be wasted on me. Anyway, oh no! One more no. other thing: Clipstone Ooh. Street. We went to celebrate. Didn't well, we? Clipstone, which we, we, we spoke we about went... in season one. Run. And with our wonderful new producer, Tian. Who is here. Who is who <laughs> who's listening into every word, so I'd be very, very polite about it. No, it was actually we had a Clipstone Street, which is the, the, the perfect neighbourhood restaurant mm. as far as I'm concerned. The food's always intelligent and delicious, the service is always gracious and cheerful. Uh, it was a lovely and we had just had a lovely time. Yeah, we had a lovely a lovely team lunch. Anyway, so here we move from the past into the present or indeed the future. Mm -hmm. So when we move, don't we, from being dad and daughter to being dad, daughter and friends. Exactly. We thought it might be quite nice this series to incorporate a bit of, you know, chatting to people who we, we know who are mostly within the food world and occasionally not within the food well, world. Well, I think people who we admire, um, isn't it? It's people who we really admire. Mm. Who admire and, and really, really like. Yes. I mean, you know. Really like. um, it's It's mostly people that, well, it's mostly people you know well and some that I know well-ish. Well, I've worked with a good with, with a good number of them, actually, mm. as, it, as it turns out. Well, not as it turns out. And been involved with 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 others of them. So I think top of the list is well. We could we're not going to run through them in any specific order, but we can tell you who they are. So we've got oh, well, we've got. I'm trying to remember. Okay, well I'll help you out there. Darling. Youth, youth, and memory can come in here. Pruleith. Pruleith. I tell you what, I'll I'll say the names, and you give a you, here's a test. You've got to give a really succinct description. Oh, okay. Pruleith, very easy. Dame Pruleith, force of nature. Uh, a woman who has uh, who has been a, a sort of active figure in the food scene for as long as I can remember, which must be about four, certainly forty, if not fifty years. So uh, anyway, and a fellow ex GBM judge and queen of both GBM, formerly queen of GBM, and now queen of uh, of uh, GBB. GBB, as we call it. Okay, and next up, Max Fosh. Now that's a bit of a wild card. He is a wild card. I got to know him. Actually, he's actually the, the, the son of a, a friend of mine. And I got to know him when he rang me up one day uh, and said, would I like to appear on his video about cooking with some roadkill? He's a, he's a YouTuber. He's a YouTuber. That's right. He is. And a man of, uh, of, of great energy, a great humour. Really, An imagination, I'd say. A great imagination. I wouldn't say mainstream food. But with some very very interesting no. takes on it, uh, which no, which, we, which we talk about on the on we the, on talk the about on the podcast. Next up, Matt Tebbett. We're not doing this in order, by the way, listeners. No, no, Matt Tebbett. Well, I remember when Matt Tebbett was was not known, and now he's you know he's the he's the smiling face of Saturday Kitchen and various other television series as well. Who brings both you know a great enthusiasm for food and. A sort of wonderful cheerfulness to it as as well. 
Um, he's an utterly charming fellow. And I felt, I first met him, well, when I ate in his restaurant and recommended him for the Great British Menu. There we go. And we will talk about that we'll more talk on about the more that. So that's, that's, and then he, and then, then we really got, I really got to know him in Market Kitchen, which we'll also talk yep. about some more. But anyway, he's always very, very good company. Very, very good company. Always very, very good company. Particularly good company when he has a glass in his hand. <laughs> Isn't that the same for most of us? Don't we become better company? <laughs> Darling, you're always good company. <laughs> and then lastly, for, for this series, but we do have other guests who will be appearing on season three, which we're going to release fairly quickly in the new year. Heston Blumenthal, who, who joined us, it has to be said, it wasn't just him. He joined us with a gentleman called Mark Thomas. Mark Thomas. Well, it was a, it was the most extraordinary uh, conversation I think I've ever I've ever taken. Part and Heston in. needs really not very much introduction. No, the man is an absolute god <laughs> in my view. He's the finest finest chef this country has produced by such a long margin in terms of originality, thoughtfulness, the, the way he's opened up the whole food world for a generation of British chefs. Yeah. I think is absolutely remarkable and. I helped in some very, very small way in his early, early years of the development of the fat duck. You did. I shall say no more than And that. I will just say that he joined. He was joined by Mark Thomas, who is the head of evolutionary genetics. genetics at UCL. So I think all we can say is that with Heston and Mark, I don't think anyone's going to expect what we spoke about to be what we spoke about. <laughs> no, that, it is a very, very formidable combination. It is. So that's very exciting. And then we will have further guests, including Tom Kerridge, Tom Parker-Bowles, Andy Oliver, plus, 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 uh, next year. But that is for now. That is for now. We are going to alternate the series between an episode of uh, Me and You, then a guest. And we will be finishing with a special episode, just us two. Maybe we don't talk about what that is yet. But yes, you, this was your genius idea, so I think you should describe it, um, of, of one question which will be the same uh, for every guest that we ask towards the end. What is your dirty dish? I've just loved it. I love the phrase. <laughs> the, the, the dirty dish is what do we, where do, what do you turn to for comfort when you're coming back home and you're feeling slightly down and you just think, I just need something to give me a bit of a lift. What do you grab for? Oh, it might be your sort of like your kind of secret dish. Although when I said that with Heston, he said you should never feel ashamed about anything you eat. But, you know, it might be the kind of thing you do behind closed doors. Secret passions. Yeah, or just... or just That you don't want other people to judge you by. Give it an example. I, I, shall I give it an yeah, example? Yeah, what's your mine? dirty dish? My, my guilty secret is eating baked beans out of the tin, cold, but it has to be with a silver spoon. Yeah, and you add salt, don't you? And oh. I add salt, and I add, and, and I add Worcester sauce. You see, I'm okay with the Worcester sauce. I'm even maybe okay with the salt. It's the cold that I can't get my head around. It's the temperature thing, Yum. like coagulated beans. Whoa. Okay, well, what's yours? What's yours? This has been going on since I was a little girl, of which you are very well aware. So I've already had many a year of judgment. Cheese strings. Cheese strings. <laughs> Tian is nodding because we've had this conversation and and if it's possible you need to be quite specific about your cheese string so firstly I don't do the twisters just the original secondly preferably preferably warmer rather than colder so not straight out the fridge (laughs) because because that leads directly into the third point about eating a cheese string is that you have you can't bite them you have to string them and they string much more easily and satisfyingly if they're sort of warmer 
you know, a little bit like they've been sitting in a warm car for 20 minutes. Well, slightly greasy on the outside. Slightly greasy yeah, on the outside. Oozy. Oh, dear. Yeah, there we go. I had my stomach curl- curdling just at the thought of it. Well, anyway, we, we, this is the question which, we, which we're exactly. asking all our, all our guests. And I think, and I think <laughs> Heston's answer was... <laughs> Yeah. Was far more well, far more literal. That's all I'll say. Far more literal yes, than we were expecting. More than that. More than that. But uh, did you make a good idea if, if any of our listeners also want to send in their? Dirty oh, please dishes? do. Yes, yeah, send in your dirty dishes. Absolutely, we'd love to hear about them. And any other questions that you you would like yeah. us to, to to respond to? Absolutely. And when you send your dirty dish, and be prepared that it might be spoken about in public. So if you're not willing for it to be shared, then then don't. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, I feel that tremendous surge of excitement and pleasure just setting off on another bold adventure. Ditto. I do too. So okay. so next week we will be coming to you with a guest. A guest. Watch this space. All right, Dad. I'll speak to you soon. Very darling. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.